Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fourth Down Focus. I am your host, Dan Lundy, founder of Fourth Down University. Um, before meeting our new guest, I would love to remind you about our partners at Bet Online, the number one source for all of your sports betting this season. Get analysis of every play and prop point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Please be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. Episode 96 of the podcast welcomes Luke Jackson, founder of Clutch University and 4th Down U's Mental Performance Division. Luke, it is an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to be back. Excited for uh, off-season summer training to start kicking off. Things are things are picking up over here. Happy to be here. Yeah, this uh, episode is, I think, timely, right? You just mentioned it. We are in the, a critical part of the off-season, right? This is the part where we don't have too much longer left until August hits, and then August, it's on. It's live. So I think, you know, I talk to a lot of my kids now about maintenance and frequency. How often are we going out? If so, how long? Um, are you still supplementing your time in the weight room? If so, are you doing squats before a kickoff day? You need to reevaluate that. But I think the icing on the cake is the off-field activities, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, th the things we're doing for ourselves for recovery. Um, and I think more specifically today, it's the recovery of the body I think some guys are mindful of, but I think very few almost none in my, in, in my, you know, in my area and in, in my clientele, if you will, almost none are really seeking out how to better themselves in terms of how they handle things mentally. So we brought you on before and we're bringing you back on to expound on some things. Uh, let's start with something very simple. How do most young athletes in your experience typically approach training both on and off the field? Right. Um, I like to look at that, uh, granted, from in-season to off-season because I feel a lot of the habits during the season carry over into like the different personality types, if you will, into those off-season training sessions, which are free-form a lot of the times for most guys, younger and older. Um, so in-season, a uh, typical high school specialist, uh, I mean, there's maybe 10, 20 minutes of formal time where you're actually doing live reps with the team. And the rest of the time, it's really up to them what they do. And I thought that would go away once I got to college. Not necessarily the case either. Uh, we may have a GA over there with us, but it's still free form and we're doing more or less what we want to do. Um, so kind of like if I was sitting on a subway in New York, there's just different types of personalities you see. There's different types of specialists and people at practice and kind of the personas they talk take on. And I'll tell you about what I mean by that. There's one guy, uh, this is the first personality type, who kind of sits back and just really doesn't do much for the remainder of practice. They've got their 10, 15 minutes in. They're good to go. Uh, and they're just kind of wandering around. So I'd call this person the wanderer. They're just wandering around. 
the second kind of guy, and I know you're really familiar with this one, Coach Slundy. I see this one more than anything. Uh, he's basically the opposite of this wandering guy. He's the guy who does nonstop kicking for two hours straight, 100-plus balls. He's not working on anything specific, technically, drill work, uh, no situational work, no mental training. He's just out there wandering around uh, with really no sense of direction, but he's just going, going, going. Uh, I'd call this guy like the running headless chicken. He's there's a lot of movement going on, but you know, there's nothing, there's no sense of direction, right? Just kind of lost. Uh, the next guy uh, is different than those two where again, does his work, but then he like maybe goes and catches up the quarterbacks, does the option drill with the running backs. Maybe he's hitting the, the sleds with the O-line and getting down in the trenches and is he doing anything for, for specialists for his own position? Not really. Um, not unless he's told to, at least. And I would call this guy the wannabe because he seems like he wants to be everyone else but the position that he plays. <laughs> um, and then the last personality type, uh, and this is kind of tying it up with a bow here, uh, is the guy who does his work during those specialty periods. But after that fact, he maybe does time for regenerative work. He does stretching, maybe has his foam roll stick massage out there, goes and sees the trainer. Uh, something I actually picked up in my time at Missouri uh, is actually doing some core work. So maybe there's some like calisthenic type work, keeping things loose, but maybe getting some strength training go, whether it's for volume or strength based. Uh, then there's specific technical training. This is where we kind of come into play, where we gel, Coach, uh, Coach Lundy, with uh, doing the specific drill work. Uh, and maybe they have their phone out there too, so they can get some film and they're using it purposefully as well. Not just for social, certainly can be after the fact promoting their brand, which is bigger nowadays, uh, but also for technical training and be able to watch film live and on the field. Uh, this is what I would call, and I think you would agree, the ideal specialist. Um, Cause there's all these different personality types that people pick up during the end season that, like I said before, they carry over into the off season. Because repetition makes the man very much so. Uh, and kind of that habit builds and gets ingrained. Uh, so I challenge any young or older specialist to take a, a literal look at themselves and determine who they are as an athlete and what habits they've picked up over the off season and in season as well uh, in their time playing. I was the chicken with his head cut off. I raised my <laughs> hand. I know most people listen to this show. They don't watch it. But for those that were listening only, I raised my hand and I kept it up for the whole explanation of the chicken with his head cut off because I came into a situation where I got to kick off right away, but I really wanted to chase the field goal spot. Cause I, I was jumping up significantly. I went from four string to second string by mid August. And I, and I was getting, I played in the first game at kickoff. So I was like, man, I was getting a taste of success. And I was, you know, I wasn't expecting that right away, but it was just it, the, the opportunity presented itself, if you will. So when I was young, I, I it was oversight and no one really told me otherwise, but I thought that working hard would solve problems. Strictly working hard. If I was just always working, it was going to benefit me, right? It's better than being stagnant, better than doing nothing. But what I like yeah. what you said is it's about balance, right? You, what you just said was the guy that is our favorite hypothetical guy is the guy that predetermines the workload. Regardless of the fact he gets himself off the field, if it was a poor performance, he reflects on that through the film he took. But the next part of the day is set aside for what you mentioned, maybe some core work, maybe some stretching, 
Um, there's a regiment, there's a routine, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we, we honor that routine and we learn from that routine. I really just ignored all of that and said, I'm just going to work through it. And I think there's danger in that. In fact, I know there is. I tore my adductor in half against Boston College three or four weeks later because I went into a rut uh, second or third week at Rutgers so that following week after Rutgers, it was a poor performance on my part. I increased the workload after August, after week one and two. And guess what? There's a breaking point for us all. And I liken it to like a pitcher. You know, I was throwing essentially 100 fastballs a day. And I was in the prime of my life. I'm 18, 19 years old. So my breaking point was, you know, it was it was looking back. I, I couldn't believe I lasted to Boston College. Um, so I love what you're saying. Um, they're... There are several ways to be something, but there's it's only one or two right ways to do things. And it usually it comes with the refinement. It, it, it comes through the fair. We talked about that in your, in your last show, but I think it also comes from a little bit of guidance, like people like you. So let's get into that. I, I just mentioned that I believe that um, bigger was always better <laughs> and more was always better. But when it comes to training, is that the case? Uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's definitely not the case. Uh, more and bigger is not always better. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the quality over quantity approach for the sake of longevity. And then a big thing for me is quality control through purposeful practice. Uh, and purposeful practice is just having a plan. Uh, it takes into consideration uh, not being the headless chicken guy who's wandering around. He's doing a lot of work, but there's not really anything he's specifically working on, not tracking his reps or anything like that. No specific technical training. But using that sense of quality control uh, and just practicing the right way, uh, there's that theory of the 10,000 hour rule of doing something for 10,000 hours and then you become an expert. There's certainly a lot of legitimacy to that, but it does leave out something very important. It's uh, and it kind of gets lost in the translation of it's 10,000 hours of practicing a skill at an expert level not just practicing like the headless chicken guy (laughs) where there's no really specific purpose of what they're working on. So it may take 20, 30, 50,000 hours for someone like that to achieve that with no really sense of specific direction. And it's like shooting in the dark, just a total guess. Um, So again, to practice at an expert level for those 10,000 hours. And that's why quality control through purposeful practice is important to have that plan uh, and it can really pay dividends, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out uh, in each season. And it can avoid, you know, what I consider aimless training that can keep athletes stationary on their progress or even worse. It could cause regression in their performance and skill. So my concern is resources, right? Um, obviously, you are resources. The purpose of the show is to. Uh, expose the listeners to guys like you who think and can lead and can kind of um facilitate change right because i think that uh it's daunting to expect a kid to plan ahead uh, after a long day for example like uh if i'm on the field and i'm going to class i'm going to workouts i'm going to meetings i'm going to practice i'm going to study hall He's not going to want to plan Tuesday. So I think it's important back to when we started the show. The critical time is now. Now is the time to forecast what your needs and wants would be in August, September, October, because that is when the fatigue sets in. Mm -hmm. 
And you don't want the fatigue to set in in September because come November, there's a conference championship. And if you can't kick off, you will be replaced, right? It happened to me, right? And it happened to me through oversight, overwork, negligence, all these, all these ugly words. And it wasn't that I didn't want it or I didn't have the work ethic. I don't think I had the direction. You know, I think had I had a guy like you that had just called me or whatever back then, I guess smoke, smoking me. I don't know. Like I grew up in a different time, so we didn't DM and stuff. But um, I really think I needed the guidance. I needed someone to tell me there's a different way. You know, you're doing more than enough. I would have liked to have heard that. And no one ever told me that. Right. So there was a fear of not doing enough. And I didn't want to not work. I felt like that was dangerous, but I think that I could have filled that time that I thought should have been work and to work on my mind and to work on my body and to work on the rest and recovery and to work on maybe uh, slowly but surely um, changing little by little the way I was doing my field work subtly, right? Um, So we're going to get into balance now. You know, um, I think there athletes no matter we're talking about kicking and punting and snapping on this show of course but i think that anyone that that does anything physical needs to find a proper balance between the training of their body and the training of their mind and how it responds to the, the physicality of it and the recovery so could you could you go into further detail about this balance between training the mind and the body yeah absolutely um and that kind of ties in with really what we were just talking about um as far as quality control within your training regimen for specialists specifically for the sake of the show, but really athletes just in general as well. It's uh, a universal type tool, Um, but using mental tools as athletes allows them to elevate their game on a different level. Um, In psychology, some of the baseline elements on our like periodic table, if you will, uh, of just the human experience, our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And, that's what we think, what we feel, and what we do. And using psychological tools like guided visualization, uh, mindfulness, and deep breathing as well, uh, it can allow for continued progress for athletes without the need for that additional wear and tear on their body. Uh, mental reps is something I preach on massively with guys because it allows them to, and I probably mentioned this in a previous show, I know if you ask any of the guys I've worked and trained with, they're like, he says this stuff all the time. He's a broken record player, um, which is amazing that they even know what a record player is. Um, <laughs> but that sidebar being over, mental reps allow someone to take one physical rep and then visualize the extent of that process successfully three, four, even five times before going through and doing it. And it takes one physical rep and turns it into five or six reps in total without that additional uh, wear and tear of kicking the ball five or six times because visualization visualization say that 10 times fast is a very powerful tool so for a specialist to be and you were just alluding to this earlier coach Lundy, to be 90 95 of their best physical capacity at the middle or the end of the season in crunch time is not always feasible it's certainly ideal uh, but there's just a lot of physical demands really all throughout the year for athletes and again finding that balance How can I continue to improve and still maintain or even improve physically, right? So utilizing the mental aspect of training benefits this process because it keeps athletes physically fresher on the field while still improving both on and off. Uh, And something I encourage with athletes, but also in my day job as a therapist, 
is I encourage people to do their own research on the different tools and concepts I talk about so as to be able to learn more about them and then customize and apply it to themselves. Because it could be like drinking water through a fire hose, hearing a bunch of psychological jargon being thrown at you. But again, it's finding the diamonds in the rough, uh, like going through high school. You learn all these different things like, oh, I'm never going to use algebra again. Maybe. <laughs> but you find the gold, you find the diamonds in the rough that apply to yourself and to your skill set, and your interest, and you utilize that. And that's the same with these psychological tools that I just talked about. So I encourage anyone, parents, athletes to look into visualization training in sports and how they can maybe incorporate it and customize it to their own training regimen. So I've said this two or three times in the show, but I think you'll appreciate it that Tiger Woods, when I was growing up uh, later in high school, he was world-class. I mean, he was the best athlete in the world, regardless of sport by a lot of people's standards because of the dominance within his own. Right. And he credits a lot outside of his father's influence and his swing coach and just, you know, his work ethic, all of the obvious things that we know. One thing he always reminded the media was the power of visualization. And I'll give you the example. He would play in his mind. And I've said on the show, and I'll say it again, because it's so important. Wednesday afternoon, he had in the, he had obligations. He had media. He had Nike. He had all these things at the time. Everyone wanted a piece of Tiger Woods at the time. He set aside a Wednesday afternoon hour, and it was you know flexible. It might have been four to five. It might have been eight to nine p.m. But he played the course that he'd been practicing all week because Thursday was the first round of this major or this big tournament. He played the round mentally, and he gave himself hypotheticals with wind conditions. Right. Like he tried to simulate what maybe the weather, the weather channel was going to say Thursday was like, oh, left to right wind, six to nine miles per hour. It's probably going to be close. So I'm going to play that whole four. Yeah, I'm going to hit it here. And then, oh, shoot, if I do this and I turn this way, that's a third degree angle shift. So the wind's going to affect it differently. So I'm probably going to play the green there. Yeah. He'd play the whole round and it'd take him about 40 minutes to an hour to do so. Cause he took his time with it. He changed clubs with it. Say the wind died, right? He tried to start setting. He included variables yeah. into his visualization, right? To account for them. So it became more real. And my point of saying all that, and I know that was verbose, but I think it's important to say is because the first time he did it, he even said, I wasn't good at it. So I, therefore I didn't see the value in it. But when it became part of my practice yeah. to do it, like everything else, I got really good at the simulation. My eyes started like, it was like seeing it. Yeah. And, and and he said more often than not, a few times around, what he had visualized occurred, which I think yeah. is the thing that made him world-class. He had been there before because vis visually, mentally, he created it before. And I don't think a lot of people did that, right? Um, sorry, I just, that was a tangent, but what you said that resonated, yeah. uh, I have one more, I want you to add on. What are some, if someone's like, oh, well, I got a toolbox now. What are some other like mental conditioning tools, athletes and people for that matter can use to help them improve their training regimen, maybe their life regimen, just day-to-day -day activities. Could you give a couple more mental conditioning tools that are maybe user-friendly? Yeah, um, and it's really the ones I just touched on a little bit there. Um, uh, the big ones being that guided visualization, which eventually turns into just self-guided visualization. 
uh, mindfulness training and then deep breathing is very vitally important uh, to being in that metaphorical toolbox, like you just mentioned. Uh, for visualization, uh, it's great for quality control of reps, like I just said before, uh, where, again, the guy who takes 100 reps during practice, he can actually still do that on this regimen. But maybe 30, 35, which that's kind of pushing it on my end as far as rep control, but 30, 35 reps are still physical, while the other 65 to 70, check my math on that, are still mental. And studies have shown that mental reps are nearly as effective as physical reps at times. Now, there's nothing like game experience. I stand by that as a coach and as former experience as a player. But there is a there is studies that show just the mental experience of that visualization of a rep. Uh, a study I mentioned on a previous show was of the free throw study. Um, one group takes the shot. One group visualizes. One group does nothing. The group that did nothing did the worst. The group that did the shot and the group that visualized were actually borderline identical. There might've been a one or two shot make difference. So there's a lot of power in visualizing reps. And again, for that person who's just like, I need to do more, I need to do more, they can without the additional physical wear and tear by utilizing the tool of visualizing. Because uh, mental reps are kind of like, you're alluding to with Tiger Woods, it's really like he almost puts on a, a virtual reality headset and he just goes yes. through the course, but it's all within his own mind. Um, it's pretty amazing. They're like short video memories in our minds of us performing and executing our reps. And extreme facts just about our brains, just to nerd out on you for a little bit, uh, occurs when you, someone hears a great story. So when people are hooked up to an EKG and they're seeing the brain waves and activity in different parts of the brain, the person who's telling the actual story, the storyteller who's lived this experience, their brain activity is almost identical to the person listening to that story. So as such, if we visualize success of ourselves or witness it through others and those that we look up to, our brain waves and activity can mimic how our brains will ultimately react when we accomplish the goals that we set out to do. So achieving the goals within the sports we play specifically. Um, so those are some things on mental reps through visualization for quality control, but also just you know being able to visualize success and it not just being a dream, but an achievable goal. Um, now, mindfulness is something I, at my last job uh, at University of Florida, I was considered the mindfulness guy. It's like, why is Luke always so cool, calm, and collected over there? Um, mindfulness itself is all about gaining control of your thoughts. Uh, typically putting that on a timeline, we think in the past, present, or future tense. Anxiety for a lot of people lies in thinking in the past. Oh, I don't want that to happen again. Or thinking into the future. Oh, I hope this doesn't happen. But our goal uh, when performing during training or during games on the field is to be present and focused on the task at hand and focus on what matters specifically and then just blocking out the rest. Uh, so, again, putting it on that timeline. I always use this kind of squiggly line. Where's your brain going to now? Recenter it into the present. Our minds are going to wonder. There's a finite amount of attention span that we have to spend like currency. But we can take control of that while we have it, right, for just those six seconds from snap to kick and focus on what we need to focus on. Find what matters and stay in that point mentally, and then the rest just takes care of itself just to be completely present. And then lastly, deep breathing. I'm a huge proponent of this. I know I've heard you talk about this, Coach Lundy, as well, as far as implementing deep breathing into someone's pre-kick routine as kind of just a safeguard to keep them, again, centered and balanced. So there's mindfulness within deep breathing. 
And granted, this is a physical skill. It's a physical behavior we all do automatically, but has strong effects on our mental capacity. Deep breathing can lower stress levels on a physical level, lower our respiration rate, our blood pressure, our heart rate, uh, and allow for clearer thinking as a consequence of that. Uh, being able to control the pace of our thinking, so think speed, rapid thoughts, and anxiety, so we can slow things down and even consolidate our thoughts uh, and think about what's most important and think more singularly than you know thinking more broadly and all these different things, being able to recenter our thoughts. And again, like I said before, I encourage people to do their own research uh, so that they can customize these tools and use it for themselves. Maybe find new ones too with visualization, mindfulness, and deep breathing and how it could be used as a, as a part of their training regimen. And I'm happy to answer any questions that people may have and help in any way I can. But I really encourage people to do their homework, do their own research. What I like is each of the things you said are complimentary. And I'll give you an example that if you can't acknowledge that your, your mind wanders, um, your mind will in fact wander and it'll take your focus away, which will then probably affect your breathing pattern. Right. But if you're present and you realize that this is super important, this next 24 seconds or so, and the breathing is of the utmost importance, I need to to be mindful <laughs> that, that the focus on the ta- is on the task at hand and breathing is essential. Um, I, th- I think they all go hand in hand, but I think the breathing goes away because sometimes the focus goes away. And if the focus goes away, how can I how can I be mindful of the breathing? So. I, I also think that we're going to fail all of us when we try to apply all this stuff. You know, this is overwhelming. This is a show that if you listen to it right now, um, you might want to listen to it again. You know, you might want to take a few notes. You might want to be prepared to ask a few questions because I think the danger in it is being overwhelmed and not doing anything, which I think occurs often, right? It's like, oh man, the second it gets a little hard or if I can't take it on and apply it right away, then it's not worth it to me. But I think that most things are that are worthwhile, you have to work for, you know, and I think that back to the yeah. back to the greatest people in the world, they're willing to sacrifice and the realization that like, yes, and in the beginning, this may be a, a cumbersome thing. This may be difficult. I may not be good at it. I may not see the the uh, the positives, but I think that most people that are realistic have come to a conclusion that if I, if I am this successful, if I am Tiger Woods right now or Tiger Woods in 98, I failed so much more than everybody else. So I know that like, I got to give things a go, if you will, I got to maybe try to get better with it before I discount it. And I think that's the danger in the mindfulness and the breathing people call it hippie or no, whatever, man, that's just, that's just people that can't get it done. Well, no, no, no. I think the best people in the world do it. So like I'm I'm all in. Very much so. I'm all in. I'm curious. I I I I confide in those people. I don't really care about the masses' opinion, which is probably negative in terms of some of the things you brought up because it's new. Um, it's not explored by enough people yet. Um, so if enough haven't benefited from it, it's going to be slow growth. But I I like what you do, man. I, in fact, I love what you do because I think that my guys that have aspirations to play at the levels now of the major FBS or or hopefully like a pro level, I think they have to have everything in place. I think it's that competitive. I don't think you can just live off talent. You know, you're not talent is fleeting, you know, especially when you start breaking down as you get older, I think all these things, they make you sustainable. They create value um, because you're able to not overwork. You're able to recover quicker 
you're able to work smarter. Um, so this just isn't something that you're going to work through. This is stuff you got to work to, you know? Um, yeah. So thank you again, man. It means a lot. Uh, could you give, I will say you are on my website. You are the uh, fourth venue performance under curriculum. Could you also offer another way that someone could reach out to you? Yeah, people can reach out to my personal email. It's lpjackson03 at gmail.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. Just look up Clutch University, uh, and you should be able to find that at Clutch University MC. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, uh, on Facebook, uh, really all the different platforms. If you look up my name or Clutch University, you should be able to find me. Then also, like you said, uh, all my information is on the fourth down you website as well yes he's under the staff as well so you can't miss him on my site uh i'm really blessed to have you on our team you know this is this is really awesome stuff and he contributes to the page there and uh to his site so just give him a follow he's wonderful he comes on the show i think we'll have you on again soon but you are one of those regulars we'd like to have on because of the importance of the subject matter and you're a leading thinker in it so Again, I'm grateful for you. Um, please give us a five-star review, subscribe, share with a friend. If you have questions, suggestions, or topic suggestions, uh, give me a, a ring or uh, my, my website is fourthdownu.com. Uh, social media is at fourthdownu. Um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I had a blast. Memorial Day was yesterday, so it's kind of nice. Uh, coming into the summer, I'm excited, man. Like We, we have a lot going on this summer, and... I cannot wait to share some, some exciting new guests with you guys. Uh, our 100th episode is coming up uh, in June, which is wild, because I don't think I do the show enough, but apparently I do it enough, right? 100 episodes is wonderful, so what an experience. And you've been a part of it, Luke, so thanks again, man. Right, really appreciate it. All right, thanks again. Uh, we are presented by Bet Online, and we will see you next week with an exciting new guest. And I hope this summer is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. Shut up and sit down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.